Good morning. To greet you in Jesus' name this morning. What was the second song we sang this morning? Peace, perfect peace. My heart started racing. Whoa. Invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Show you where my thoughts went. We're going to be, I'm going to read the first 15 verses of Hebrews chapter 12. But we're going to be looking at the last two, 14 and 15, for the message this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you, as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he who are prophet that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth a peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the paths for your feet, lest lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness where without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And I'll stop reading. Verse 14, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. I was challenged by this verse. This verse was a verse that came to 
me this week as a verse of the day. So I thought, well, I'm going to study on that a little bit because in our news we've been hearing a lot about peace. Follow peace with all men. And we want to see the Lord, right? It says, if we do not follow peace with all men, how shall we see the Lord? So, divide this up into uh, four sections. What does it mean to follow? What peace is? What holinessness, what holiness means in this context? And then how does the rest of this chapter tie in? Follow peace. So the word follow seems, uh, I guess, what do you think of when you think of follow? Well, does that make peace a leader? As children, we'd play follow the leader. Somebody had to lead and the rest had to copy, be a copycat of the leader. Um, This word follow is a verb, is that correct, school teachers? I didn't do very well in language. But if I understand a verb, it means action. So follow requires action. And so I thought, well, what, I wonder what the, the original, the Greek translation would mean. So I looked that up. And it had a little different twist to this word follow. It means to pursue, literally or figuratively, by implication, to persecute. That was the definition that the Greek word that this was translated. So, I think of follow as being somewhat lazy, not putting a lot of effort into something, but when I read, or when I look at this word follow now under under this uh, new, different definition, meaning to pursue, it's, it's going to take effort. Or the word persecute, well, when you think of persecute, I guess you're going to hunt down and you're going to get. Um, the NIV, I believe, has something along the lines uh, to make an effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. I'd like to also note that it says to pursue peace, to follow peace, not with the men that we get along with, not those that we like, not those that we choose, but it says all. And I capitalized that word, underlined it, highlighted it, it means all men. We need to pursue peace with all our relationships. So what about the people that get under our skin? Those that we just 
have a hard time getting along with. What about that? Do we have peace with them? That means all. Us as Christians, we should not allow conflict to fester in our life. Loving God means loving those around us. And we are going to be pursuing peace aggressively and and doing what we can to maintain and promote peace in in that relationship, in our relationships. Romans 12.21 Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So there's the antidote, is that the correct word, antidote? To stem off uh, evil to help pursue peace is to do good do good unto all men just grab your martyr's mirror and look at the stories that we have of people that had to run for their life well, here's a picture of Dirks William what did he do? he was running for his life man fell through, that was pursuing fell through the ice, he turned around and he did good Looking at verse 15, maybe this can shed a little bit of light onto what can rob us of our peace. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Of the human emotions... Bitterness, I fear, is the one that can be, can I say, the most harmful, but yet the one that can maybe hide the most. Bitterness can be like a cancer. It can devour you from the inside out. It's depicted as a root here. It says a root of bitterness. There's a story of two men. This is just a made-up story, but it's going to illustrate the point. They were walking to another village to help bring in the crop. As they walked, they saw this woman sitting by the river, and uh, she was upset. She couldn't get across the river. There was no bridge. So the men offered a kind hand and offered to carry her across. So they cinched her up, both of them, one on each side, and carried her across. When they got to the other side, they set her down and continued on their way. After a while, the second man began to complain. He says, look at my clothes. They are filthy from carrying that woman across the river. And my back is still hurting. The first man smiled and he nodded his head. And a few more miles down the road, the second man starts griping and complaining. 
My back is really hurting. I cannot go any further. And it's because that I carried this woman across the river. First man looked down at his partner there, lying on the ground, moaning. He says, Have you not wondered why I'm not complaining? He asked, Your back hurts because you're still carrying the women. He said, I set her down five miles ago. Now that may be a little humorous, but how easily do we set down our problems and our hurts? Or how easy do we hang on and continue to carry them along with us? Just like dealing with bitterness, we are the second man we can't let go. We hold the pain of the past over our heads to those, maybe those that have done or said something to us that hurt us, and we use it as a club, and we remind them once in a while, just so that we can have the upper hand, and that burden that we are carrying continue to be there and will continue to be a burden and it can go for years bitterness like I said it's like a cruel cancer can devour you from the inside out it can turn a healthy human into a cold carcass if it is not removed soon how do we determine the the root of bitterness looking diligently, lest any man fail the graces of God. This root is obviously in, this, in the soil. It's below the what we can see. We can't see it with our eye. It's just below the surface, but it can go deep. And it can reach very far. And So I believe that even though this root of bitterness can't be seen, um, it's what is in our heart. What we communicate by words, actions can indicate that bitterness. Some people can have a non, I don't know, this is for lack of term, but non-absorbing personality. You know what I mean by that? You can you can have fun with them, and you can say some things to them sometimes, and yeah, they're just so carefree, and they didn't take it serious. I wasn't sure if I should share this or not, but I was yesterday. I was doing a little cleaning in my room, and I was looking at the memory cards that I got for Christy. And I don't know who wrote this. And my apologies if you were here this morning and did write this. So 
But one, somebody had a memory of Christy um, since the day's fellowship. They were talking about the food. And there was these cookies that were at the fellowship meal. And they were talking about them and nobody said anything about it in this group of ladies or girls that were talking. And so this individual that was relaying this continued to say that these cookies were gross and that she did not like them. And uh, Christy, after it was all said and done, said, those were my cookies. And I don't know. There was no name attached to this, but they, uh, they said they were so embarrassed. You don't do that. But for Christy, she just left to go. It was just nonchalant, no hard feelings. Um, so by saying that and illustrating, you know, some, we like people like that. And us as Christians, shouldn't we be like that? Not easily offended? How fun is it to be around people that are just got to watch everything you say? Or maybe certain days that you're just like, ooh, he's on edge today. Be careful. The root of bitterness requires very little soil. It doesn't need very much cultivation. It's very swift to grow. And it is very tough to remove. And it can be very tough to weed out. We can get better. We can get bitter for one of three reasons. It can be what someone says to us, or what someone has done to us, or what has been taken away from us. So that root continues to grow. going to cause trouble and it's going to produce a fruit and it's going to produce a happy fruit wrong it's going to produce a bitter fruit this fruit or this bitterness it's going to consume our mind it's going to grow it's going to take up your time what you think, what you dwell on, it's going to spread. I thought of the example or the illustration of later in the summer, there's this weed we know as pigweed, and I still am amazed at how that weed can grow and spread, even on a dry year. It did struggle, but... It doesn't take much for it to, to carpet, to spread, to take over a, a garden that you're trying to have weed free. I'm also, to- I'm also told that if you corner a rattlesnake and have it very angry, that it'll bite itself. I've never tried that. I wouldn't recommend trying it. But, I believe bitterness, if we have bitterness in our heart, we're hurting ourselves. We're going to bite ourselves. 
We're holding the spite and the hate. We're harming ourselves. It also crushes the spirit. Bitterness is repressive. You don't find happy, bitter people. Have you ever seen a happy, bitter person? Pessimism, criticism, negativism, negativism, if I can say it, cynicism, cynicism, wow. These are attributes, attitudes of a bitter person. Bitterness will discourage you and depress you and even get you to places where you cannot even function. There was a professor, Amrod Nicoli, at Harvard Medical School. He explains that Sigmund Freud died at the age of 83. A bitter and a delusioned man Tragically, this physician, one of the most influential thinkers of our time, had little compassion for the common person. Freud wrote in 1918, I have no little, I have found little that is good about the human being on the whole. In my experience, most of them are trash. No matter whether they publicly subscribe to this or that ethical doctrine or to none at all, Freud died friendless. For those who don't know who Sig Freud is, he was a common uh, psychologist that studied the human mind. I trust that we did not buy into his theories, but you know, the mind of the of human uh, was a fascination for him, and he studied that, and he tried to help with those that were mentally distressed. I did not know this, but he had a smoking habit, and that led to oral cancer, and after 34 surgical procedures, he died of assisted suicide. Bitterness will obstruct those I'm going to call it joy juices, that God intends to flow through our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our body. So, however... You can undeniably break and batter this resentment with a hammer of forgiveness. Just like our Sunday school lesson we were looking at. Matthew six, fourteen and fifteen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. Bitterness will cripple the body. As I said before, you are harming yourself by being bitter. There is a oyster that can take a grain of sand and it's an irritation to an oyster. But what will an oyster do to that grain of sand? Turns it into a pearl, right? Something that's beautiful, something that's valuable. Sometimes I think we, we'll use the illustration, maybe we're pearls, and we turn into sand because we allow bitterness to come in and to rob us of that. That irritation. Bitterness will destroy our worship. You will not be able to pray with assurance. You will not be able to praise with delight. Neither will you be able to talk and speak and preach with authority from God's word if you are bitter. Bitterness will damage your work. You cannot serve God if the bile of bitterness is coursing through your veins. It will defile your witness, it will trash your testimony. It will close the lips of a soul winner. So let's turn a little more to positive. So defeating the pursuit of bitterness. So we want to eliminate it. We want to target. You have to find it. You have to dig it. And you have to get rid of it. Again, my mind went to the common thistle. We don't like thistles, but it can spread very rapidly as well. Understand that a thistle can spread underground through its roots. It can also spread through seeds. And you can spray that. And you can spray it with a chemical. And I have done this already. And uh, I've sprayed it and... Yeah, it looks like I got it. Only to find out the next year there's still thistles there in that same spot. Was it not effective? What happened? Why did it not work? There's a little secret. And Dwight and Justin can maybe elaborate on this more. But if I understand correctly that a thistle falls into... A, uh, I don't know what the term is, but it needs a hard freeze in order for it to set in the dormancy to trigger it to put its nutrients to its roots. So if you wait till after there's a good hard freeze and wait till a 60, 70 degree day and you hit it with chemical, 
all of its effort is going into its roots. And it's going to suck up that chemical that you sprayed, and it takes it down, and it just toasts the roots, destroys it. How can we do that with our bitterness in our hearts? We need to target it. We need to go after it. We need to dig it. And we need to get rid of it. Another uh, thing is God has made us, created us in wonderful way that we don't, I, at least I don't think of it that, that much, but we have in our body a way to dispose of waste, toxins. We detox, detox or whatever you want to call it. Um, but we're continuously getting rid of waste. And if we didn't have that uh, part of us, we would die. We would poison ourselves. Christy just had an uncle that had a kidney transplant here around Christmas time. Very sick, very uh, unsure whether he would live. Very, it was, it was, it was killing him from the inside out. He was not happy. I mean, he, he lost a lot of weight. Um, he was on dialysis. And if you know anything about that, it's not pleasant at all. Best Christmas gift that was given to him was somebody donated a kidney. I'm not, I don't remember if it was a donation through a live person or if it was a death of someone, but he got a kidney. And, he said it was the best Christmas gift that he ever got. It turned his life around. He's feeling better. He's back to doing almost what he was doing before. How much more can we take our hurt, our pain, our bitterness, to Jesus Christ, the master surgeon, and let him take care of it to get us back to feeling normal and healthy. As those toxins come to mind and heart, we need to continue to take them to Jesus. Forget the problem. Whatever initiated the problem that brought bitterness into your life must be forgotten. Paul in Ephesians 4.31, this is what he says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word put away there means to get rid of, to remove, to eliminate. If you're going to get rid of bitterness in your life, the very first thing you have got to do is get this. Get even feeling out of your heart and life. In our human tendency, we just have this, we just want to get even. We have to take that and we need to bury that in an unmarked grave and leave it there. Forgive the person. There in our verse 15, it talks about, lest any man fail of the grace of God. 
But what is that grace of God? This was talked about already in our Sunday school and maybe in the devotional and in between. You know, someone said, would we be able to love if God hadn't loved us first? The grace of God, what was deserved to me, God says, I'm going to pay that. Jesus went to the cross, paid that for me. How much more then should I be willing to forgive and to forget, to put away that what was that bitterness that is poisoning me? Ephesians four thirty two and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. That is the solution. We cannot find forgiveness in our heart for that person toward that we're bitter toward. I recommend that we go back to the cross and we linger there a little bit longer. Charles Spurgeon said, Let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven. And then let us linger there to learn how to forgive. You must forgive that person that mistreated you. You must forgive them liberally. That is whether they ask for it or not. And we forgive them lovingly. This is what's going to stem, this is what's going to take away the root of bitterness. to forsake the practice you know it's not enough to forgive and to forget but our verse here talks about pursuing peace with all men in holiness which no man will see God will see the Lord so we need to be aggressive in our pursuing peace this means that we are going to take all strength all everything in our power to end the war, to tear down the defense, to rebuild the bridges, to restore the relationship. It's going to take that first step. Now I say all that to say very carefully that you cannot control what happens to you. But there are some things that you can control, and that's what you do with that. And I understand that sometimes there's things that happen that are out of your control that may need additional outside help. But we still, it still falls on our lap. What are we going to do with it? How is it going to affect us? How do I react to it? In pursuing peace that forgiveness brings, you're going to bring happiness, contentment, fulfillment to yourself, to the Lord, 
and things will be at peace. And then we will be able to stand before the Lord and be able to see the Lord. The question that I ask is, do we want to see the Lord? And I believe we would all say absolutely. I know some of you read this for your devotional. Back in January 23rd and January 24th, uh, Sylvian Lapp wrote these two articles. And so the January 24th is on love and forgiveness, but it goes ties in with the one on January 23rd about survival mode. So I'm just going to read them. A first responder was given a talk about a wilderness survival. He listed the things needed in order to survive if lost in a forest or wilderness. He mentioned food, water, shelter, but said that the most important thing is a positive attitude. An illustration is... Luis Zamperini and two others whose fighter planes had lost power and crashed in the Pacific Ocean during World War II. As the three men were floating in a small life raft, having little to eat and drink, one of them developed a very negative attitude. He said they were not going to survive, and he soon died. The other two had a positive attitude and survived 47 days drifting in the ocean. A person with a positive attitude is an optimistic, one who looks on the bright side and hopes for a good outcome. The man with the best reason for optimism is the one who believes in God and his son, Jesus Christ. His hope is in God because Jesus died on the cross for his salvation, and he trusts God for his future. Jumping then to January 24th, love and forgiveness. He says, yesterday we read about Luis Zamperini and another man who survived 47 days in the Pacific Ocean. They finally drifted to an island, but they were captured by the Japanese and put into prison, put in a prisoner of war camp. The cruel guards repeatedly beat the captives with clubs to the point that Luis developed an extreme hatred toward one of the guards in particular. After the war ended in 1945, all the prisoners were released, but Luis's memories were so traumatic that he began to drink heavily. Then in 1949, he attended an evangelistic meeting where he heard the gospel and received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Two remarkable things happened that night. When Luis got home, he poured all his alcohol drinks down the drain and Jesus took the hatred out of his heart and gave him a heart of love and forgiveness. Luis eventually went back to Japan and apologized to the guard for the hatred that he had held toward him. Love and forgiveness are essential in every relationship. That there is pursuing peace with all men. What if he had to go back find that guard? No. But he did.
strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. How often do I associate peace with holiness? It's mentioned here. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Am I attempted to pursue peace at the expense of holiness? There's this idea, maybe I should, or a belief or thought that if I just get along, don't um, say anything. Is that holiness? Is that living at peace? You don't have to look far into our world to hear the word peace, and it is far from holiness. Peace in our world's eyes is the absence of war and living together in a state of growth and prosperity. The universal definition of peace means societal friendship and harmony in the absence of hostility and violence. In a social sense, peace is commonly lute. In a social sense, peace is commonly used to mean a lack of conflict, such as war, freedom from fear, of violence between individual groups. And I took note of our scripture today in our Sunday school, there in John 14. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my my peace I give unto you. What? Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. What does he say then? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. peace that Jesus will give to our hearts is a peace that will be unshakable it will be solid and I'm confident that it will be the peace that can help us to root out that root of bitterness and have peace with all men how serious am I in pursuing peace with all men especially of those, my brothers and sisters. This message was for me, and you just got to listen in. Showing you for prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the lessons that we can learn. Thank you for the the lessons that you teach about having peace with all men. Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we strive to be at peace with those about us. I just pray that you would give us what we need to to dig and to get rid of whatever 
may be hindering us of that peace, Lord. Give us understanding and wisdom, kindness. I just pray that you would help us. Pray for each one here this morning. Pray for each heart, each life, from the oldest to the youngest. I just pray that you would help us as we continue our our walk, our journey. I just pray that you would give us the strength that we need to continue on. Give us the strength from day to day as we, Lord, endeavor to live out and to be an example, a bright and shining light for you. Lord, go with us now as we depart from here, that you would just bless each one, be with those of our number who aren't here too, Lord, be with them where they're at. In Jesus' name, amen.